Welcome to BlackBot Sessions, Episode 2, the latest nonprofit technology podcast from BlackBot. Sessions features some of the best nonprofit focused presentations delivered by BlackBot employees at industry events throughout the year. In this episode, we're bringing you the art and science of stewarding donors, using the razor's edge to maintain strong relationships. Jim Bush delivered this session on Monday morning at the 2007 Conference for Nonprofits. So if you were sleeping in or just missed the conference, now's your chance to catch up. This presentation takes a look at ways to nourish the relationships you already have with donors and how to manage this process via the razor's edge. Enjoy. Okay, let's get started. We all ready? So, good morning. Hey, not bad, not bad. Welcome to Monday at the conference. Good to have you. Uh, as you can probably read in your program, my name is Jim Bush. I am the presenter for the session. How many of you, this is your first time at the Blackwell Conference? Whoa, wow. So I guess that means it's your first time at my session. How many are repeat customers of mine in here? All right. All right. Well, you came back, so something must have been okay. Uh, we're going to talk about stewardship today. We have an hour and 15 minutes to do so. But if you guys have been in my session before, you know that I like to begin with a little bit of a game. Helps me kind of get you guys relaxed and it helps me kind of get in the spirit too. So what I want you to do, this is a little bit echoey, isn't it? Is that better? Does that help? Okay. What I want you to do, not don't do it yet, but I want you to take one minute and I want you to stand up and I want you to introduce yourself to your neighbor or neighbors and I want you to find out from your neighbor, now think about this before you do it, your neighbors, you have friends, all of you have friends, so I want you to think about what your friends, how they would describe you as a wild animal. What wild animal would your friends describe you as? Not what you think you are. But what would your friends describe you as? What kind of wild animals do I have? Do I have any lions? Yeah, why, why lions? They can be cute and cuddly and they can be aggressive. So better watch out. They can be cute, but they'll also attack you. All right. What else? Any giraffes? No giraffes? All right. How about any monkeys or apes or orangutans? Why? Why is that? They like to have a good time. Well, absolutely, yeah. That's sweet for tree to tree. Yeah. Why else? What other? Observing from above. Yeah, that's why people call me a giraffe, because they say I observe from above. I don't buy that, but that's what they say. What other animals do we have? What other wild animals? Kangaroo. All right. Why? What's that? Motherly. Yeah, absolutely. If you know Carol, you know that's true. Well, uh... I like to do a little game like that. A couple of reasons. One is it kind of gets you guys warmed up a little bit and uh, relaxed. And the other thing is when you guys walk in, you're all sitting there kind of seriously staring at the presenter. And uh, yeah, um, you guys could probably take me right now because there's a lot of you and just one of me. So, <laughs> and it's hot in here. I've been running all morning. Um, so the other thing is that it helps me kind of get, um, get you to smile. And it's a lot more fun to look at smiling faces than it is to look at sad, serious, frowny faces. So... Uh, welcome. Let's go over the ground rules, uh, or the agenda first, and we'll talk about the ground rules. We do have a few ground rules that we follow. We're going to talk about those. Then we're going to talk about what is stewardship, because today's conversation for the next hour and ten minutes is all about stewardship, and specifically how we do stewardship in the razor's edge. We're going to talk about why do we need to do stewardship. And it seems kind of obvious when we talk about it, but oftentimes we forget We've got more chairs coming to you guys, we promise. Hey, good, they brought a bench in. Good for you. There's one seat here if anybody wants to come and have a seat. You've, yeah, a couple seats. Feel free to fill in if you want. That, and that, they're supposed to bring some more chairs. It's going to take a few minutes. Where do we begin? And then we're going to talk about the tools that are in the razor's edge. And finally, I want you to walk away, hopefully, with the beginning of a plan that can help you improve your stewardship. 
Now, as we get started, a couple of things to keep in mind. I'm kind of a stickler for this first one here. Cell phones, if you have them, we know that the why is still going on, and we know that your other nonprofits are going on. We know that somebody might give a million dollars during the session, and we want you to have that phone call. But if you could just keep it on, on hush, on silent, that'd be great. Uh, please ask questions. I love when you ask questions. Now, having said that, it is helpful if the questions are relevant to the whole group. Because yeah. everybody wants to tell their story. And, and the stories are great, but we kind of run out of time with, we have like, how many people in here? 600? Uh, <laughs> so if you could, uh, oohs and ahs, unsolicited, are absolutely uh, welcome uh, and acceptable completely. Please be respectful of others. It's going to be very hard to share in here because it's a big room. Uh, and there's a lot of space in between. So if you do want to share, it would be helpful if you stood up. If you're uncomfortable standing up, don't bother. But if you could, it would help us. We also we do have a lot of information. We are going to move quickly, so listen fast. Um, but having said that, I will be glad to follow up with you after this session. Also, if you want a soft copy, which means you want an emailed copy of this, I'll email it to you if you give me a business card. But also, we post all of our presentations online after the conference. So if you want to give me a business card, I'll email it to you. But you can also go online and get it. As soon as the conference is over, they'll all, actually they're already up there, but they're just not live yet. So you'll have these. Okay? All right, we ready? Okay, that's not great. Let's try it again. We ready? All right, now we're ready. Okay. Let's talk about what is stewardship. Who wants to read the first one for me? Anybody want to stand up nice and proud and read that first one for me? Want me to read it? Yeah. So here's stewardship. A process whereby an organization seeks to be worthy of continued philanthropic support, including the acknowledgement of gifts, donor recognition, the honoring of donor intent, prudent investment of gifts, and the effective and efficient use of funds to further the mission of the organization. Now, how many of you stayed awake for that? (laughs) That's pretty tough, isn't it? Here's some other definitions for us. The science, art, and skill of responsible and accountable management of resources. That's a little better. How about responsibility for taking good care of resources entrusted to you? Or the management of estates or affairs not your own, etc., etc., etc. The Donor Bill of Rights, by the way, it's not a session handout, but it is online on our website. Uh, For some reason, it's not in your packet. We hope that it would be an appendix, but it's not. Let's break this down, and let's you and I come to an understanding and a definition that we can use what is stewardship? How do you define stewardship at your organization? Anyone? Developing relationships. Developing relationships. Okay, that's definitely part of it. Yes. Sharing your time, talent, and treasure. Sharing your time, talent, and treasure. All right. Keeping donors happy. Keeping donors happy. Get, all right, I think we're on to something here. Keeping donors happy. What do you think? Yeah? Maybe we could add a little more to that. Keeping donors happy the way they want to be kept happy. Can we add that? So, you think we could use that as our definition? Keeping donors happy the way they want to be kept happy. Yeah? What do you guys think? Yeah? Okay. Let's use that. These are great, and these are all from the dictionary and from fundraising books, relationship fundraising. But the real answer here is keeping donors happy the way they want to be kept happy. Now, why why do we have stewardship? And everyone says, well, duh, you have to have stewardship. Do you know how many organizations I go to on a yearly basis and we talk about stewardship, and I get, the, I get the look that my dog gives me when I'm not saying his name. Blah, 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 blah. Baxter. <laughs> yeah? What is stewardship? Why do we have it? Why do you have stewardship? You guys have it, right? How many of you have stewardship? 
All right, so how many of you think you don't have stewardship? Your hands weren't up. How many of you acknowledge your donors? Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why? Why do you acknowledge your donors? Let's start there. Yes. They need to feel thanked, appreciated for supporting the work that, that you do mm-hmm. and, and that they give you money to do. Okay. April. They want to be a part of the organization, but is that why we stewardship? Is that why? Some, maybe it might be. Why else? Yes. Because we want them to give another gift. Wow. There we go. <laughs> yes. So if we think about this as, as, a, as we call the giving cycle, I don't know if I have any pins. That's great. Yep. They'll have some here? Okay. Oh, very nice. So if we think about, we've all talked about donor acquisition and this whole giving circle concept. Make sure you guys can all see here. So we know the whole giving circle, right? It's the, the steps of fundraising, the major gift life cycle. So we, we identify somebody as a prospect and, and we then do some research and we cultivate them and then we solicit them. And then what's the last step? We steward them. Yeah. And then what do we hope that's going to happen here? That they stay in this circle, right? So if we think about thanking donors the way they want to be thanked, that's the benefit that they get. They want to be thanked. We're managing and maintaining the relationship the way that we can and the way they want to. But the last part of that is what's so important too. We do this because we're a little selfish, right? We want another gift. And, and so that's going to be the premise of what we're going to talk about. You also, do you have a legal obligation to acknowledge well, just take that part. Yes. How and when? When does the legal obligation begin? Is that true? $250? Yep. What's that? Well, okay. So legal obligation, though. So legal is different than an obligation. Yep. So let me tell you a little story, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead into this. So last year, and I hope that none of, my, hope that none of you are in here, but you won't know who you are anyway. Um, ten clients that I worked with on the last quarter of last year. I made gifts to 10 organizations of $25. Now, if you, if you read my blog, you've already read this, so bear with me. So I made these gifts, bless you, seven of these gifts I made online using our website, right? Uh, two of these gifts I made by mail, I have to remember this, I made by mail, direct, uh, direct response to something they sent me, and one gift I handed to them when I was there on site. All clients of mine, all using Razor's Edge, and they all know me. Okay? So those of you who know the story don't answer, but the rest of you, how many acknowledgments out of those 10 do you think I got? You hope I got 10, right? But that didn't happen. Yeah. How many did I get? Because you're going to be surprised. Two. Yes. That's exactly right. I got two acknowledgments. Now, here's a couple things. One... Seven of these gifts were made online. There is a tool out there that automatically bounces back a thank you. Yep. Uh, okay. Um, one I got. I got a, a thank you online. I got a written thank you from the person that I have a relationship with at that organization. And then I got a thank you, another written thank you from the executive director. $25 gift. Yep. So the other ones that I, that, and the other one, of course, I thanked the other person too. And they thought I, were, I was crazy. They said, well, why are you calling? Of course we thank you. We thank everybody. That sounds great. And so I started calling the other people. So I started calling the people who didn't thank me. And I said, hey, it's Jim. And I know they have my correct address because I was in Razor's Edge looking at it. Uh, <laughs> I know it's right. 
So I said to them, um, hey, just want to call and see if maybe uh, you guys just were going to send me a thank you. Um, all but one of them said to me, oh my gosh, of course we will. Let me check on it. Guess how many thank yous I got after that? Zero. Now, here's the best part. One of the conversations I had went something like this. I called and the woman said, oh, hey, Jim, nice to talk to you. I said, hey, I was just calling to let you know. I made a gift and I was just curious if you guys were going to send an acknowledgement. And, um, and she said to me, well, Jim, our policy is that we don't acknowledge gifts for under $250. Our policy. And, of course, which time I said, well, that won't be a problem in the future. <laughs> Thanking me the way I want to be thanked. But let's just start with the simple part. Thanking me. Seven out of, uh, so for me, two out of those ten gifts, I got thank you'd. And then, of course, one of them, I'll never get a thank you because my gift doesn't matter. How many of you know people who give $25 and it's as much as they could ever give? Yeah. Isn't part of stewardship, isn't part of what we're trying to do to take people to their ultimate gift? Right? And you just raised your hands and said to me that for a number of those people, $25 is their ultimate gift. So how do you think those people feel when they don't get an acknowledgement? Now, sure, I, maybe I could have given more, but I won't. And I won't ever give those organizations. And I bet you have organizations right down the street that are doing the things that stewardship requires. And that's the organization that people are going to give to. Remember that. If you don't, someone else is going to. Now, where do you begin? Step one, take out your notepads, take out your pen, and begin with this. You need to create your own definition of stewardship for your organization. Now, we've looked at a couple of these already, right? And and these are lengthy. You need to decide what stewardship means to you. And what I mean by that is it's not just a definition that you see up here, but we're also talking about steps. Let's talk about what stewardship is for you. So what's step one? What's the most basic part of stewardship? What's the one we just talked about? Thanking folks, right? That's part one. What else? Keeping them informed. informed. Let letting them know what you're doing with their money. Yep, and everyone else's money, and how you're fulfilling your mission. Sure. How else will you define stewardship for you, for your organization? Yes. Letting them know the impact of the gift. Absolutely. What is their gift doing? How is it helping? How many kids did it send to summer camp? How many meals did it serve? How many hospital patients did it help? Exactly. Who else? Who else? Yes. The way that they can be involved. The way they can be involved. Absolutely. Beyond the money. Yeah, because it's not just about money, right? People want to be involved in other ways. It's about getting them. It's about getting getting them in first of all. Then it's about engaging them, involving them, and getting them committed. Taking them around this circle. Who else can help us with the definition of stewardship for you? Yes. Fulfilling membership or donor benefits. Absolutely. Who else? Yes. Oh, I love that. Say that again. Will you stand up and say that? Because I'd love to hear that. What does that mean? So that makes sense. Recognizing the gift the way the donor wants to be recognized. What does that mean for you? If you're creating your own definition of stewardship, what does that mean to you? How do you actually do that? Okay, yeah, you wouldn't want to recognize an anonymous gift, right? Well, you'd recognize it as anonymous, right? Would you still send them an acknowledgement? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. How else? 
You want to contact them. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't want to forget that. What else? Addressing them in the way they want to be addressed. Absolutely. What else? So reiterating what they designated the fund to, letting them know you got it, you're going to do it, and, and use it for what they said they wanted it used for. All right. Absolutely. Thanking them for extra effort beyond the donation. Ah. Did you hear that? So, leveraging, letting them know how important and the extra effort that folks like your matching gift donors, letting them know and acknowledging the fact that it's really awesome that they did that. And by the way, you and all of your friends who did that help us raise $44,000, which we are going to do what with? X, Y, and Z. Part two of, of beginning to have your definition of stewardship is about organizational buy-in. All right, And we're talking about executive sponsorship here. How many of you think a stewardship program is going to work if you don't have somebody at the top saying it have to work? Have you tried it? How hard is that? You're the only one doing it? You feel like you're swimming upstream? Yeah? You've got to have some organizational buy-in. There has to be a system in place. What do we, what do we call that system? Razor's edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys will get that in a minute. And, and sponsorship. It's got to come from the top. If we don't have organizational and executive sponsorship, then we're on our own. We can't expect other people to do what we want them to do. We're going to talk about how to do it. But first, let's talk about defining our stewardship groups. Who, with, Without looking at this list, who do you start with first? We talked about starting small. Yes? Those closest to you. Those closest to you. Would you agree? All right, so let's get specific. Who are those closest to you? Staff and volunteers. Staff and volunteers, all right. Board, how about that? Yep, where else? Major gifts. What are we, kind of, uh, what are we identifying here? Those closest to us? Stakeholders. stakeholders, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about beginning with the stakeholders. Do I, do I begin a stewardship program with my non-donors? Not a whole lot to steward there yet, is there? It could be. Potentially, we're more, like, we're more cultivating than we are stewarding, right? Which is all, all blended together. Groups like major donors. How about planned gift donors? Yeah, great group there. New, how about lapsed members? Yeah, we think about doing some stewardship there. Or donors, long-time members. How many of you have membership, out of curiosity? And so if you have membership, how many of you are tracking longevity? Yep. So what's the longest running member, how long have they been a member? Between 15 and 20 years. How long? 40 years. Can you imagine the history and all the great things they know about your organization? Things that you probably don't know about your organization. That's the kind of person, the kind of group that you want to start with, right? They're the ones that have a lot at stake. They're the ones that have invested time and energy and lifeblood to make your organization what it is. How about board members we talked about? How many of you work with parents or grandparents? Great groups. How about former patients? Anybody have a grateful patient program? Yep, absolutely. Other groups. What other groups would you start with? 
Or not even start with. What other groups would you want to do some stewardship with? Yeah. They have alumni. Yep, they have alumni. You have alumni. They have alumni, alumni. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. Volunteers. Yeah, we said that. Yeah. Oh, the constituents you serve. Yeah, and who might that be for you? The American Indian tribes, pretty specific group, absolutely. What else? Who else? Employees, employees. yeah, staff, employees. Who else? Yeah. Media contacts that donate their time. Ooh, media contacts that donate their time. We're, we're getting to big groups here, aren't we? What other groups? Are you writing these down for yourselves? These are great groups. Who else? Yes. Residents and their families, absolutely. Any other groups you want to add? Yes. Oh, the government. Do you get government funds? Absolutely then, for sure. One thing we need to keep in mind is as we build our stewardship program that we're beginning a journey here. Stewardship is not a destination. It's an ongoing journey. And why is it an ongoing journey? Why don't we say, okay, we've got stewardship. We're going to acknowledge our gifts. We're going to have an honor roll of donors. We're going to put big names on the wall. We're going to have a gala for our most important people. We're done. Yeah, it's never ending. It's so how is it changing? It's growing. It's growing. So we're always at, we're always acquiring new donors. Donors die. How else? Yes. Demographics. Ah, the demographics are changing. So true story. Two years ago, I bought my mom a computer, uh, and she's sixty years old, so she's not old by any means, right? She can she can use a computer. She I bought her one. I plugged it in for her, hooked it all up. And yeah, and I said, I said, Mom, okay. So she's like, I, I, I'm just too old for this. I can't do it. I said, Mom, you're 60. People are doing this. She had, yeah, I said, your grandmother's friend was doing this. So I said, all right, you got to get in, you got to get email. And she said, great. How do I do that? So I said, all right, we'll call. She never would call. She never would get hooked up. A year goes by, and last Christmas I said, great, I'll do it myself. So I did it myself. I uh, plugged it all in, got it working for. Her. And lo and behold, I get my first email. Now, the whole email is in the subject line. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was a long one. And, and, and I can show you. I got one this morning. And it says, so it says, good morning, honey. And I get one every morning. And it's kind of fun because my mom just likes to chronicle her day for me. <laughs> she has a dog named Cooper who pees a lot because that's what she tells me. Yeah. Got up, took Cooper out, he had to go pee-pee. I had coffee, I read the paper. I played with my plants. <laughs> it goes on and on and on. But what's the point of this whole thing? Oh, by the way, she calls it the internets. This internets thing. <laughs> I was home a couple weeks ago, and we're doing, we're on eBay now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm getting emails from her. She's like, check this out. She's selling stuff on eBay now. <laughs> Hopefully nothing of mine, but I, I can't be sure. <laughs> She's by yeah, yeah. I sold a computer, honey. She is, uh, she is banking online. She knows what emoticons are. You know what they are? Those little uh, animated flashy smile. Oh, I didn't know what that was. <laughs> I have a BlackBerry, so when I get my emails, I don't ever know that there's a background, but she has little puppy dog print backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the point is, two years ago, this woman thought she could never use a computer. Today, she does her banking. She buys stuff online. She talks to all her friends, and she sends me ridiculous jokes and lots of emails that are in the subject line. <laughs> Demographics change. People change. 
She said to me the other day, I don't want to get any more bills. So how can I just get them to send them to me online? This from a woman who didn't know how or want to turn a computer on. That's the kind of folks that you deal with. Times change. That's why this is a journey, not a destination. Why else? How about legal changes, right? We've got to keep those. We've got to stay up with that. We've got to be sure that we always follow the law. But it's more than just following the law. It, but it's following what our donors want because it always goes back to what our donors want. All right. Let's talk about how we do this in the razor's edge. We had Now, before we do that, because we have right now, we're not doing too bad. We have about 50 minutes or so. 45 minutes. Any questions or anything else we want to talk about about the topic of stewardship? Are we okay on what a definition is? And, and what did we decide was going to be our definition? Not all the mumble jumble and all that great stuff. What did we decide? Keeping donors happy and thanking donors the way they want to be thanked, right? Definitely. Okay. So how are we going to do that now? We're going to talk about these tools. Now, you guys are going to say, oh, my gosh, these tools, well, you see them all the time. Well, we do see them all the time, but do we always think about these tools as part of stewardship? Things like actions and action tracks, query, reporting and dashboards, addressees and salutations, another big part, mail, acknowledgement, the homepage, honor rolls, and annual reports. All standard functionality in the razor's edge. Oftentimes, though, when I go to see clients and we say, I say, let's start a stewardship program, most of them say, well, we, don't, we didn't buy that. <laughs> I say, well, you, um, you do direct mail, right? Or you send acknowledgments. Oh, yeah, we do that. And you record you know, calls and, and meetings and things. Oh, yeah, we do that. And you record on, on their record like addressing citation. Well, of course we do that. Hey, you're doing it. This is what we're talking about here. So we're going to go through and talk about each of these tools. Now, a lot of you are brand new, so keep a couple things in mind. This is a conference as opposed to a training, right? So we do screenshots because we can never get in the razor's edge and spend the amount of time that we'd want to spend. You're going to see screenshots. Now, our commitment to you is to help you afterwards if you have questions. So if you have questions about, hey, how does an action work, or I've never done a query before, come down to the marketplace, let us get on a computer, and let us show you how this stuff works, Okay? So today we're going to keep it kind of high level, though. Let's start first, and I love this slide because it's got like 8,000 words on it. I couldn't have made it any smaller or harder to read, huh? What are actions? What's the first part? Maintaining a history of what we call touches, right? Interactions. Everyone in the office works from the same notes if we're using actions. How many of you today use actions in the razor's edge? Awesome. How many of you don't? Oh, and and don't, be, don't be shy. And why? Why don't you? Just don't know how. Okay, we can fix that. All right? Ooh, mainly use attributes. Yeah, ooh, attributes. Yeah. Don't do that to her. Here, you get, you know. That was, that was just downright mean, people, here. Will you pass that out? You get candy for, for, for speaking up. Everyone knows if you ever come to my sessions, I always have candy. Because I think people need chocolate. And I also have Skittles and things like that for you non-chocolate people. So let's, I don't know if I have enough, but I think I might. Take one piece and pass it around. <laughs> Why else don't you use actions? Yeah. It's hard for us to get executive and director level buy-in. Oh, so we're back to that. It's hard for us to get executive level buy-in. 
All right. We're going to help you fix that, we hope. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Ah, so it's not that we can't get buy-in from the above. We can't get buy-in from the people who are out there doing the touches. I'm not making the phone calls. How do I know when you did it if it's not in the razor's edge? Well, my last, uh, the last why, I was YMCA director, and the last why that I ran, we always had the razor's edge, and that was the first thing I brought in because I wanted a system that could do what we wanted to do. And I had a rule. I was the executive. I had some buy-in. My rule was, if it didn't get put in the razor's edge, it didn't happen. How many of you have that rule? How hard is that to enforce? Yeah, terribly hard. Yeah, until it's made part of people's accountability, yearly objectives. Oh, and the big bad word, compensation. Yeah, if it didn't get in the razor's edge, you didn't do it. So, but again, there has to be buy-in for that. Actions, they become a tickler for upcoming touches. I had a, a vice president for development in my first job, and, and I worked at a college, a small college in North Carolina called Elon. Yeah. <laughs> Go fighting Christians. <laughs> we were the fighting Christians. Fighting, not fighting, fighting. And here's the funny thing. We used to play the battling Quakers. <laughs> I thought that was funny, the fighting Christians battling the Quakers. I thought that was always fun. Um, our vice president for development looked just like Margaret Thatcher. I kid you not. Anybody ever know, if you knew Dr. Williams, you'll know her. Uh, and, and we said, Dr. Williams, she's been there for like 8,000 years. And she knows everybody. And she talks to everybody. She sees everybody. And not a single thing, everyone in any system. And she's about to retire. And we had no idea who she was calling on. By the way, um, for those of you who ever got your start in development and thought like I did when I graduated with an undergraduate degree in political science and I was going to go into fundraising, that I thought that I'd have a secretary and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Every Christmas, the same Margaret Thatcher lookalike, um, Dr. Williams, um, she loved, as part of her stewardship, she loved to go out and take poinsettias or something to all her big donors in uh, Alamance County in the Burlington area. And, and clearly, if you're going to go deliver Christmas presents, you have to have a what? A Christmas elf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, oh, yeah, it was me. And I, all green, with the little shoes and everything. My first job in fundraising, pretty glamorous, isn't it? Yeah. Management can gauge stewardship efforts by all staff. Accountability comes back to by recording our actions. Nothing is lost when staffing changes. All right, so let's find out. How many of you were trained in the razor's edge uh, by getting to your job on day one and there was a post-it note with, the, with your login? Yep. And it was the wrong login. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's training. That's what oftentimes happens here. Nothing is lost when staff changes if we put stuff in the razor's edge. Actions are the place. Automatic reminders make everyone's life easier. How many of you can remember what you had for dinner last night? Yeah, yes, people are like, yeah, people are, yeah, it was delicious. Some people were saying, did I eat? I think I might have eaten, yeah. If we can't remember something like that, how are we ever going to remember if we thanked that donor? If we called that donor? How about if we ever solicited that donor? It has to be in the system. Don't forget incoming actions. I see this all the time. People say, well, I can send an, I can send an action, an email, out of Razor's Edge, but if I'm in Outlook, I can't send an email and have it recorded on a record. It can happen, 
but you have to have an add-in, something called the RE toolbar that has to be an Outlook. If you don't have it, go to Knowledge Base and search on RE toolbar and Outlook, and it's going to tell you how to install that. Because, again, we don't think you should always be in Razor's Edge to do your work, but no matter where you are, we need to get it back into Razor's Edge. Now, ah, yeah, ooh, ah, that's profound. <laughs> let's be even more profound. Let's, let's get some good use here. Those of you who have a hard time getting people to put stuff in the system, listen up. Now, I want those of you who are good at it. What have you done to encourage staff to put stuff in the razor's edge? What's happened to make this work at your organization? Anybody? Yeah. Ah, it's part of their KPIs. It goes back to accountability. And so for that to have happened, it became executive buy-in. There's some executive sponsorship that said it's going to happen. I'm amazed, and I'll get to I'm amazed. All people, you guys have all bought the Razor's Edge. Um, it's not a cheap Rolodex. <laughs> yeah? It's a great system, but you've got to use it as a system. How else? How else? Yes. So you do reports, and you can see what's pending, what actions are supposed to be out there, and what's been done. And when do you use those? Do you send those to the people? Do you bring it up in meetings? We have monthly uh, group, uh, meetings. Uh, Major Gibbs office, we have monthly meetings, and they share their So there's, there's some place. There's a, a place to share the reports, and they share them with each other. Okay. How else? So you have a written contact report that is a call report every time someone goes and has a, an interaction or a touch. Is that an action in Razor's Edge? We all know it should be, but for you, is it an action? So I can raise a million dollars, but I can't enter an action in a software. Five fingers. I have fat fingers? Is that what she just said? <laughs> How else? Yes. Um, we, did, we have a small group to work with, but I, I ran a training session, and we had to go over best practices on where to put information that would go into the, uh, the action notes or action attributes or goal goal issues because you can put things in other places. Oh. Solidify how we're going to do it at the top. So part, let's talk about part of the problem and then your solution. Part of the problem is people don't know where to put stuff. So the solution is... Well, one, we get some buy-in. Our executives say it's going to go in there. But then we develop some sort of standard, right? We call that a what? Policies and procedures manual. Yep. And then we tell people where things are going to go and we're consistent. It's amazing to me when I go on site and visit clients, we talk about things like constituency codes versus attributes. Yeah, that's a whole conversation that could take an hour. But I'll tell you this quickly. Went on site. The client said, we need you to come help us pare down our constituent code table. Because we can't get reports and nobody knows who's what. Constituent codes. We use those in the Razor's Edge to let our users know and define what roles you have with our organization. You're a board member. You're a volunteer. This organization had 460 <laughs> constituent codes. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the, the Blackwell staff in the back have all heard this, and it's, I think it's hysterical. Uh, mustard was a constituent code. <laughs> and so was turtle. 
And, and so we, we literally put all these constituent codes on flip chart paper around the room, and we went through them. And why do you think the reason that turtle and mustard were still constituent codes? Because they were on a record. Yeah? So we inherit a lot of junk, and we just keep it because we don't know what else to do with it. We got it down to about 150 when I left. Yeah, and that took two and a half days. And I guarantee you they put 100 of them right back in when I left. <laughs> no wonder you can't get anything. If we're not being consistent about where we put it and what we put, we're not going to get the same results. You can globally add actions. I love this feature. And by the way, we've done a great job with the razor's edge of hiding some of the most useful stuff. How do you globally add an action to a lot of people's records? So let's say you had a big luncheon for your board. You want to record that. You don't want to go to every board member? No way. How do you do it globally? Admin. Admin, yep. What's it called? Global ad. Yep. And some of those things, by the way, that you think would be in global ad are actually in global change. You've got to look around a little bit. Again, profound that we did it that way, but it, we did. Follow-up actions can be prompted to occur. Did you know that? Do you know that you can set the razor's edge so that when you complete an action, it pops up and says, would you like to schedule a follow-up? How many of you have this happen? All right. For those of you who don't have that happen, if you want to set it up, you go to Tools. Uh, excuse me, Configuration. Not Tools. I'm in the wrong spot. Configuration. Business Rules. It's a business rule. It's an action business rule. You can also combine actions for one group into a track, action track. And we're going to talk about action tracks in just a moment because I'm curious about how many of you use them. Here's an action. What do we know an action to be? An interaction, a touch, right? Whether it's a phone call, a meeting, a mailing, an email, advocacy, if you have that, and the last one. The last one likes to confuse folks. The last action on here is task slash other. This is an action on someone's record. Why would we ever put something on there called task slash other? And what does it mean? For reminders of like what? So it's just a reminder to you to do something. So it could be a phone call or whatever. What else would you might use this task or other? Yes. Ah. Absolutely. So when we talk about moves management, which is a whole other, I wish we were doing a session at this conference, but we've done it quite a bit in the last couple of years. We have something called foreground moves and background moves. Foreground moves are what? Direct contact, right? I phone you, I meet with you, I mail to you, that's still direct, or I email you. That's all direct. But there's a whole other series of these background moves, things like strategy meetings, we're going to go talk and we're going to ask April for money, but we're going to strategize before we do that. That's an action. We're going to do some research about April to see if she's really got money. She's got a nice car. She's got, does she have money? We want to see. We're going to do an analysis, a wealth point or some sort of analysis, a rating session. All of those are background actions. We call them background moves, and they need to be recorded as well as your foreground moves. When you're looking at stewardship and you're developing a program for stewardship, don't always think about the, the direct contacts. Also think about the indirect stuff that happens as well. So 
we're going to have a big meeting about this person, or we're going to sit down and talk to them about um, how they want to be stewarded. We'll talk about that in a moment. Now, action tracks. This is an intimidating beast when it comes to the razor's edge. Part of it is the way we designed it. It's really kind of hard to use. So those of you who know actions, we understand that an action is an interaction of some sort. An action track is the same thing, but it's lots of different actions strung together in a way that makes it easy to manage a lot of people at one time with very few keystrokes. Here's how they work. A single action. If we want to develop a stewardship program for, let's say, our planned gift donors. All right, so when would a planned gift donor enter a stewardship phase? When they made a gift. Okay, so a gift comes in. We record a gift. We then want to do what? Send an acknowledgement. What do you think? And let's just pick out a couple things. What's the next thing that we want to do? Um... What's that? A phone call. Let's do a phone call. So let's say that when we record a gift, we immediately send out a thank you. And then we want to do a phone call three days later. So what we're talking about now is scheduling here. The gift entry part happens. When a gift goes in, it appears on somebody's radar that we have a new planned gift donor. How does that happen? We'll talk about reporting and query in a moment. When that happens... Somebody says, hey, we've got a new plan gift donor or donors. It's time to put them in stewardship. We have actions where it says, send an acknowledgement. When you check the box on the action that says the acknowledgement was sent, the system automatically schedules a phone call for that solicitor for three days later. Automatically. By simple fact that that thank you letter went out and you check the box. You've got to check the box on that action to say it's complete for the next one to get scheduled. Now, let's take it to the next step. So, the next action can be set up and scheduled because the one before it occurred. But there's another part of this too. We can have something conditionally happen based on the outcome of something. So, we have a phone call. The phone call is going to do one of two things. One, they're going to say, yes, I want to meet with you and discuss the naming opportunity. If yes, we're going to meet. If no, they don't want to meet, we're going to send them a thank you. Thanks for your time. Enjoy talking to you on the phone. An action track would allow you to schedule that conditionally. Two actions so that when you go in and you have the phone call, you go to attributes and you say interest, yes or no. When you mark that and say completed, if it's yes, it schedules a meeting. If it's no, it schedules a letter. That's the essence of action tracks. Can you see how helpful they might be in a stewardship opportunity? Yeah. Why would they be helpful? What? What's that? Keep them on the radar screen. Keep them on the radar screen. Yeah, but let's, let's think here. Let, let's, let's look at this. Um, when we talk about how we manage our constituents and how we manage our donors, wouldn't we love to say that we can manage all constituents the same? Wouldn't that be a nice thing that we could say, right? But the reality is what? Now, we have our giving pyramid here, and we're going to do a couple of levels here, right? Our casual donors here, our annual donors here, our major gift donors here, and our planned gift donors. 
You could argue about what goes at what spot, but what we care about is how we're going to steward these folks. Now, I know you can't see this in the back. Think of a pyramid. Think of four levels. Casual, annual, major gift, plan giving. Now, if we're talking about money here, where should we be spending the most amount of time, personal time? At the top. And so let's go from major gift up, right? Now, there aren't as many people at the top, so that might not be as hard. But what do we run into? What kinds of problems do we run into? Is it these people at the top here that are the hardest to work with? No. Who's the hardest to work with? And and they're not hardest, but who's the most demanding donor that you have? I am. All I wanted was a thank you. Right? But oftentimes, we get bogged down in this group down here. So if we talk about this as a resource pyramid, we're going to use the razor's edge to globally manage those folks at the bottom. We should be spending less time at the bottom. The only way we're going to be able to spend less time at the bottom is if the system is going to pick up the slack. Because you said, I want you out there spending the most time of your personal time with these people at the top. Because we continue to get the most from them. Do we ever let the people at the bottom go and not worry about them? Absolutely not. Action tracks are a great way to globally manage personal relationships. Yes? So the question is, in their organization, more than one person is involved in the follow-ups. Can the Razor's Edge schedule more than one person in an action? Yes, absolutely. So on that action, you would mark, and, and unfortunately, we use the word solicitor a lot. So you may use that word solicitor, but it may not be necessarily a solicitor. But when you go in to notify users, when you set this up, you can tell each action to notify any given users. So, wouldn't it be neat if I made a $25 gift to your organization and I got to thank you? That'd be neat. But wouldn't it be also be neat if you knew enough about me, we're going to talk about that in a moment too, that when my birthday came around, I got a birthday card? Do you know, and I won't give you too much personal information about my, my giving, but I, I am a, I'm a plan, I, I've left Elon in my estate, my big estate. Uh, I've left Elon in my will. I love my college. Every single year, I get a birthday card, and it comes on my birthday. Not, not a month before, right? Not a week before. It comes on my birthday, and it's hand-signed by the President Emeritus, who was the president when I was there. I think about that kind of stuff. Do you think your donors think about that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. And it's also stamped. It's not run through a postage meter. It's stamped. Somebody signed that, and somebody took the time. Your donors want the same thing. Do you think that they're out there going, oh gosh, when's Jim's birthday? Let's get ready. What do you think they're doing? <laughs> they're scheduling an action. They're globally managing me in a very personal way. And I love it. And your donors love it too. Action tracks are that tool. Now, what we're talking about here are some safeguards too. Because one of the questions that comes up and says, wait a minute. So if someone's a major donor and we put them in the major donor stewardship plan, what if they're a major donor again next year? Or they make another big gift this year. We're going to put them back in the the major gift stewardship plan. 
We hope they never leave that, but there are some safeguards. When you actually assign this action track, you can assign it to one person. You can assign it to all records in the database, which, by the way, there are times to do that, or a selected group, planned gift donors. New planned gift donors not already in the planned gift stewardship track are what we're going for here. And by the way, if I happen to not write my query just right and I get some of those folks, this little thing right here, it says, if the track has already been assigned to the constituent, do you want to assign it again? Love that. Because what it says to me is, you can be an idiot all you want, Jim. I'm going to fix it for you. So if I make the mistake, it's going to help me by not assigning that. Do not overlook that. Clients call every day in support and say, this doesn't work. We say, yeah, it does. Have you ever looked at this? And they say, whoa. Never knew that was there. You've got to look at all the tools there. All right, next here. We talk about actions. We talk about action tracks. We have some sessions, by the way, that are going to be talking about actions this week. If, if something you're really interested in, I encourage you to go to one of those sessions. I wish we could spend all the time talking about all the details. Not possible. One of the things that we need to do as we develop our stewardship plan is develop the groups and learn more about the people that we're going to be stewarding. How do you think they know that Elon to send me a birthday card? They got my birthday. How do you think they got my birthday? Well, I went there, so I was, that was kind of a given. How do you get somebody's birthday? You ask. How many of you survey your donors and ask for information about them? Raise your hands tall, because I want to know what kind of information you ask. What do you ask for? Valid address? That's kind of good. Yeah, what else? Do you have a seasonal address? If so, when are you there? Would you like to receive our mailings while you're a snowbird in, in Vancouver or wherever? Yeah. What, why else? What else? Occupation. Occupation? Yep. Email? Oh, I love that. Say that again. How would you like to be acknowledged? How many of you don't ask that question? Yeah? You know, it's, if we really want to start talking about personally acknowledging our donors. I mean, stewardship is what? Thanking our donors the way they want to be thanked, if we break it down, right? If we don't ask how they want to be thanked, how are we going to do it right? We're making assumptions if we don't ask. You think it's okay to ask? I used to love every brand new donor, and, and, and by the way, this is a program that takes a lot of time, but I had great ambassadors who would make these calls, volunteers. <clears throat> every new donor got a phone call, and they had a, a survey that we did with them. And, and believe it or not, most folks like doing this survey. We asked them things like, what are your interests? What are your hobbies? How would you like to be acknowledged? Is there anyone else that we can contact and, and get them interested in the why? As we asked these kinds of questions, we began to get more information from our donors. And what was really cool is our donors would give us things like their birth date, and we had a stewardship plan that included sending a birthday card every, every birthday. And they get that first birthday card. Yeah. <clears throat> so you're doing an age, you're doing an age overlay? So 
So the question is, I think generally, how do you feel about screening services, first of all, and things like age overlays? Well, um, when I was, uh, we hired an outside company to do some cleanup phonathon stuff for us when I was at Elon, and I'm monitoring them the first night that they're all making these calls. And the first call that I hear says, hi, I'm so-and-so from Elon College. Yeah, and I'd already been up there to train them how to say Elon, and they said Elon College. And what I found with that and other screening services that I've used, they really don't care about my donors the way I care about my donors. Um, and, and you're saying, well, that's great, but how in the world do I make all these calls? You get volunteers involved. And, and by the way, who do you start with? Your most important group first, right? Whatever that group is, that's the group you start with. Because why? Because they're stakeholders, number one. And secondly, you have a real connection with them. So you can ask questions and you can find out more about them. And you can start doing things like birthday cards or holiday cards. Please don't send my best friend a Christmas card. He's Jewish and he really doesn't like it. And there are very few organizations that, that he gives to who actually get that right. And I'm surprised. It's not a season greetings card. It's a Merry Christmas card. He's a little offended by that. Makes sense, right? No one took the time to ask if he's Jewish. His last name was Pierce. He doesn't sound very Jewish, like you have to sound Jewish, right? And so it matters to him. It matters to your donors as well, and ask. I'm not a fan of screening services. Um, honestly, uh, you don't get a great return. You're not able to even trust the data that you do have. And again, I don't think anybody takes care of my donors as well as I do. So I, I'm cautious when I use them. Query. What are we talking about now as we identify our groups? We're talking about identifying information about our most important groups first. How about things like no date of birth? Is it okay to ask for someone's date of birth? I don't necessarily want to know the year, but what do I want to know? Your birthday. Yeah? If I want to send birthday cards, I should have the birthday. Address information, it's kind of important to get that. Attributes that you want to track. How many of you track hair color? Any, any cancer organizations making wigs here? We got a lot of those as clients. It's really cool. It's weird you go in, in Razor's Edge, right? I go into all your different sites, and some of you are tracking uh, dogs' birthday because you place guide dogs and you want to track their birthdays. And um, some of you are, are tracking hair color. And what are you tracking that's kind of weird? What else? Yeah. We're tracking um, the date someone dies. I work for a hospice. They're tracking the date someone dies. Works for hospice. Pretty important stuff, and you want to get that right. I bet you're also tracking uh, their surviving spouse if there is one. And, and I bet you're also tracking the fact that they're deceased in Razor's Edge, right? That's pretty important stuff, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm not making a joke there because how many of you have sent that letter to somebody who's been dead uh, six days, weeks, years? Yeah. What were you going to say? Blood type. Blood type. Why? So if people are in the hospital, uh, then they invite other folks to give, and they need that person's blood types, other people can give. Where am I going with this? What's the point? You know what's important and what you need to track. That's where you start. Attributes are a great place to do it. But keep in mind, don't be the organization that had 460 constituent codes, because I've seen a gazillion more attributes. Know what you want to track. Be consistent about tracking, and we're, we're going to show you how we can find out whether we're tracking it, but only track what you want. And when it's time to stop tracking something, get rid of it. It's okay to delete stuff off somebody's record, if we really mean to. Yeah? Uh, did I miss something on the birthday, but uh, making entries out of the year? 
Yeah, you, can you make a new tree without a year? Yeah, how do you do it? It's a fuzzy that you got to put some year. It's going to default if you don't put a year. Yeah, but so people put 9999 or something like that to default it to nothing. Yeah, yeah, some dummy date. But it will default. It will put something in there, right? So it's going to go out. I forget exactly what, what the actual code is that does it. But, yeah, we got to put a year, but we can make that year up. If we put all nines or something, we know that's not a real date. Yep. How about constituent codes? Yeah, we're tracking that. Yeah. And to reiterate that, I'm, I'm, I'm repeating everything so you can hear, but also we're recording this. So if you guys are like, he's repeated everything, there's a reason. Um, yeah, the, what the comment is, be careful if you're going to track dummy dates. Because, you know, sometimes the system makes you do stuff you don't want to do. And unfortunately, we force that. If you're going to do it, understand and be consistent and know what it means. Yeah. Yes. That's right. But the reality is, the comment was, if you put a dummy date, you miss the, uh, the opportunity to get the real date. But, you know, the fact is, not everybody wants to give their, their date, right? their, their year. My mom doesn't care to do that. She's not ashamed. She just doesn't care to. It's, it's information. She's of the age that says, we don't give some of that kind of information. I don't know you that well. I just made a gift to you. We're not dating, and I'm not, you know, I don't, you don't need to know that much about me. So we honor that, and we be, we're more consistent. Yes. So we're talking about query. And we're talking about queries that look for information that's blank. So, for instance, date of birth, blank. That's an operator type in query, right? Date of birth, blank. Uh, constituent code of hair color, blank, if that's what we're tracking. Blood type, blank. That's the kind of information. Number one, I want to know where I'm starting. How little information do I have that's important to us? And we're talking about what's important to us. I need to know how little information I have. And then as time goes on, I want to continue to see if we're recording the right information. And by the way, I can do things like added by the username to see who's putting stuff in and who's not. There are some tools that let me do that. How about querying on constituents who meet certain criteria? Right? We're, we're talking about, what are we talking about again? Identifying our groups for stewardship and deciding what we're going to capture about them. So how do we record that someone is a planned gift donor. Where do you put that? Prospect. Prospect. All right, there's one answer. On the gift oh, on the gift record. Who, who does it as a constituent code? Ooh, or an attribute. Yeah, so what happens if we take that same scenario and we do it for major gifts, major gift donor, and we decide to record that as an attribute or a constituent code? Number one... We're doing a little too much work, aren't we? Because how do we identify a planned gift donor, really? They've got a planned gift on record. That's how we really identify them, right? And just the fact that we can query on gift type equals planned gift, we can get our planned gift donors. So if we put those kinds of things as attributes or as constituent codes, it's extra work, number one. But if we take major gift donor as an example, when we put it as a constituent code, what does major gift donor mean for you, your organization? What's major gift? An annual gift of 10000 or more. Yeah, so an annual gift of 10000 or more. What, what makes a major donor at your organization? 5000 Five Annually or? Annually. 
Yeah. Anybody just have a major gift is if you give a certain amount, then yeah. So not necessarily annually, right? So we could have real misinformation there if we're not being consistent. So if we're using it annually, then I'm going to go record that someone's a major gift owner. Well, then at the beginning of the calendar year or fiscal year at some point, I've got to go wipe all those out and start over. Wouldn't it be a lot easier if I went to query and said, give me everybody who is given, so gift amount greater than or equals $10,000 and gift date equals this year. Those are my major donors. Yeah. Sure. With a planned gift, you don't always know the amount. But I wouldn't think in a planned gift, we really don't necessarily care about the amount or the type of planned gift, right? Is that how you identify your planned gift owners? It's the fact that we have a planned gift on record, whatever that planned gift is. Yes. Sure. Mm-hmm. So the question is, if you've got a plan, they have a lot of plan gift folks, where would you want to put that information? Because they want that to pop up when they open the record. So would you do it a constituent code or attribute? I'd do it neither. I still would have it recorded as a gift. Well, no, that's how it's going to pop up, yes. But I don't, I'm still not going to put this as an attribute or a constituent code. I'm still going to identify it, and that's where we're starting first. I'm going to identify it by the fact that they have a planned gift on record. If you don't have the plan gift tracker, so what? Gift type of other, give subtype of plan gift. That's a way that you can track it, a simple way. Now, to your point, the business rule is a user-defined business rule that says every time I open a record, go look, this is query talking, if gift type equals plan gift or gift type of other and gift subtype of plan gift, then pop up this message. This is a plan gift owner. You've got to create the query first, and then the business rule can be applied to that and have it pop up. Or an annotation, absolutely. But what I dislike about annotations is that it's one-off. Yeah, with a, with, with a business rule pop-up, an alert we call them, right, it's on the query. So I can do a lot of them. Remember, my goal is to try to globally manage personal relationships. So annotations are great if they're for one person or a small group, yeah. How about things like minimum giving threshold, $1,000 this year or maximum lifetime, consecutive years of giving? How many of you track that and acknowledge that? That's pretty cool. What's the longest gift or longest giver you have? 40 years? That's so cool. Yeah, how about you all? How long? Yeah, 20. That's all, isn't that awesome? Consecutive years, you guys. Wow, Yes. Yep, so the question is, is there a way to not look at consecutive years, but total number of years? Answer? Yep. Somebody help us. How do you do it? Where do you go? Okay, we're in query. Under gifts, right? And under summary, we're looking at, for summary for gifts, we're looking at what? Total, total number, total count. Number of gifts. Yeah, I think it's, what's it called? Count? Total. Under summary, but it's, what is it? Total number of gifts? Is what, yeah, total number of gifts is what it's called. It used to be total count, but that's, that's been a while ago. So total number of gifts. That's total number of gifts. Well, well, then we can modify the query a little bit. 
And we can work with you on that. But we can modify the query to look at, to take those gifts and, and give me one for, or give me a total for every year and, and count that up. So we can definitely do it. It might take a little bit, but we can do it. How about querying on folks who belong to a specific group? Board members, right? We're stewarding board members. We need to track that. We want to query on it. New, lapsed, consecutive donors. Run these queries regularly. One of the things that you're going to do as you start your plan is you're going to begin to put your plan in place. Action tracks. Start tracking this stuff. I want to know if things are falling through the cracks. Do I have a plan gift donor on record who's not in the plan gift stewardship action track? How do I find that out? I query on it. I query on the fact that they have a planned gift, and then I also add to that query, and they do not have the planned gift action track assigned to them. These queries are going to be what you're going to use as mini reports, and I don't like to use query as a report, but sometimes they are a quick and dirty list. They're reminders, I need to take care of this. Plus, when I query on a group, I use that query to then assign the track, so I'm, I'm pretty close to where I want to be. Does that make sense? It's fundamental we get that part. We got it? So... Our queries help us keep track of stuff we're not already tracking that we want to track, and also anybody that might be falling through the, the uh, cracks as we start our stewardship plan. Everybody that's a plan gift donor should be in the plan gift stewardship track. So if they've got a plan gift record on record and they don't have the action track of plan gift assigned to them, they've fallen through the crack. I want to know that. I query on that. I put that on my homepage. I run that all the time. I look at that stuff, or I can have a report. I, I can do it a number of ways, sure. Query for me is just easy. So if you want to run a report and see that, however you want to do it, you've got to keep track. This is not going to work if we don't have something in place to continue to track what we're doing, reports and queries. Next, I love this. My friends who aren't fundraisers, they look in the razor's edge, and they always say, this makes no sense. Why do you track this kind of stuff? Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, your donors care. They care a lot, don't they? Please don't call me Ms. Bush. I don't like that. Yep, right? I'm not Ms. Bush. I've gotten thank yous before. Ms. Bush. Yeah, that's not James. It's not a female name. Yeah, you can't even mistake that. I don't particularly like that. I don't think your donors like that either. It's important to address people the way they want to be addressed, right? It's really important for Dr. Williams at Elon to send something to Biff and Boopsy, her best friends, that we would never call Biff a Boopsie, but she does, because they literally grew up together all their lives, but she's the only one that would ever send that. But when she sends something, it darn well better say Biff and Boopsie, because that's who they are to her. Yes, our donors care about that. How many of you sent mail to a deceased person? Yeah, not fun, is it? But no, that phone call is not an easy one to get. And again, there are ways to track that. How about a couple who are no longer married? Yeah, and the new wife or new husband gets it. Oops, yikes. And they haven't been married for a long time. And they're on our board. Yeah, that's happened. Yeah. Or you forgot to include a person in a couple. Yeah, that's not always good. Primary addressing and salutation. We get a lot of calls on this support in support. So what's the difference between a primary addressing and salutation and an alternate? Primary means how someone wants to be addressed most of the time. Right? It defaults to that. When in doubt, send it this way. Alternate addresses and salutations or other ways to address someone could be based on what you're sending, formal versus informal. could be based on who's sending it. Dr. Williams says it as Biff and Boopsy. I'm Dr. and Mrs. Hernandez, right? I don't know them that way. Or based on the mailing that's going out. 
So not necessarily formal versus informal, but if we're doing the newsletter, we want to make sure that goes to the household, not individually and not one name. We want it to go to the Bush home. Yeah. So the comment is, they had some problems when they linked relationships and getting the addresses and salutations right. So they came up with an idea that said every, what they call primary addressee is going to be for that one person. That's right. It's singular for that person. And on the spouse's record, they have their own as well. They have an alternate one that might say couple addressee or something like that. If you're having those kinds of problems, my recommendation to you is, number one, keep it simple. This wasn't designed to trick you. It was designed to be a really easy tool to use. And it's only hard if we make it too hard. Keep it simple. If it's not simple, we're not going to use it and we're going to mess it up a lot. So I think that might be a good idea. Other people, if you've got ways to do it and it works for you, great. Now, we know where addresses and salutations live. Some people like to see it. On the constituent record, there's a tab for addresses and salutations. More about this. How do you create addresses and salutations? Configuration. People get lost, right? You don't do it right from the addresses and salutations tab like you do other things on the record. You don't. Configuration is where you do it. Clean up your ad sal table. I am so tired of looking at your mess. And I mean that. I've seen ad sal tables that are like 500 length, right? And they say, we never can seem to pick the right address to your salutation. Really? Yeah. Keep it clean. So one of the solutions is they use default sets to help them load those tables so things are done automatically and there's stuff that's there. Good answer. Also, editable. We know what editable is. That's that little button that we can't see here. But see right there? Editable. It means that every formula that we create for an ad cell, I mean um, an address and citations created in config, until I press that little button that says editable. I've broken all links to all formulas and I'm in a free text uh, cell now. So when Bob and Wendy are no longer Bob and Wendy, it doesn't know that. Use that carefully. It's a great example of would you use it for something like Biff and Boopsy. They're not nicknames. They're not on the record as a nickname. It says Dr. Williams addressee, Biff and Boopsy. Yes. Is there a way to query for those who have editable? Yes, absolutely. So query on ad cell not blank or a specific ad cell you're looking at, and editable is yes. Mm -hmm. Use global ad to add specific ad cells to all constituents. You want a special configuration to send out the honor roll. I actually saw a woman up in Toronto who went through every single record and added it. And I showed her, and she had done, I mean, literally a couple thousand and I said, this is after a user group. I said, well, why don't you just go to Global Ad and add it? She cried. <laughs> she literally cried. She had no idea it was there. Yeah, but number one, she didn't have access to it because she didn't have rights to it. That stinks. Check that. You have to have rights to be able to do that kind of stuff. Mail and export. Well, these are those of the most powerful tools that we have in our stewardship program. Create mailings for your different stewardship tracks and make them available to your users. I love this. We, de we develop a stewardship plan, and then we don't let our users have it. Because we want control. Or they're too dumb. They're not going to be able to figure it out. What's the point? It's got to be accessible to the users who need it. Simple and conditional merges allow you to manage large numbers of people or constituents with very global tools, right? I can be very personal in a global way. Use those mail merges. Set up your mailings for specific stewardship groups. Mail is quite functional. 
And I mean that mail is quite functional and allows you to quickly format letters. By being functional, however, we lose some of that ability to add lots of fields that we want. Actually, that's by design. Good or bad, it's by design. If you want to be able to add everything that you want in a mail merge, you're not doing that from mail, you're going to export. The good news is you can still do a simple or conditional mail merge. The not so good news is it's more work. With flexibility, sometimes comes more work, but it can be done. Yeah, so the question is how do you track the people you want to reach out to for stewardship? Where are you tracking it? Number one, in actions. And so most typically, you track it as a mailing action. And you can store a copy if you want, but most of the time, we just want to record the fact that we sent that mailing. We don't need a copy of a form letter. So we can have a letter as an attribute. So we can say what letter somebody got, and of course check the box and say it got sent. What's that? You could use appeal too. I don't like to use appeals because appeal to me means we're asking for money. And so that's the only reason. If it works for you, great. That's why I wouldn't use that. Acknowledgements. This is not an acknowledgement. There's tons of sessions here. I put a lot of stuff for you to read when you get back to your uh, out of this session. But we're not going to talk about it. But again... We know about acknowledgments. When you go to all the, uh, the, the classes that are around acknowledgments and around mail mergers, you'll talk about that. The homepage. We're wrapping up with this. The homepage is a great, great place because I can put everything that I need, those cleanup queries, my reports, my stewardship plan, all of my incomplete actions, my pending actions for my donors, I mean my, uh, my solicitors, all the things I want I can have in my favorites and create my workflows. Here's my workflows, birthdays, anniversaries, and time for soft touches. I have one that says my birthday's this month. Everybody I'm supposed to call, it's on my homepage. I'm not going to forget it. Labels for birthday cards this month, they're right there. I'm, I, if, I, if I have access to them, I can go ahead and run them myself. And birthday letters this month. These things are right here. Now, if you have 781 and, and above, you can copy homepage Home pages from one user to another. Did you know that? You do that in admin. You do it in sec- through security. So I can, I can create a home page with all the pre-configured stuff that you might want to do soft touches, and then I can have that home page pop up when you log in. Nice tool there. And use dashboard panels and reports to alert your users about these opportunities. Hey, a new play gift donor just hit your radar. You should be contacting them. Alert them. Let them know that action needs to take place. It's not just about creating an action. It's also about alerting them. And finally, we're talking about you have to track these efforts. One, you create a benchmark. You find out what you're doing today or not doing today. As you develop your program, you start looking at reports. Consecutive years giving. Donor category. First, latest, greatest. Live month, side month, new donors, top donors. These are all reports and all ways to identify potential stewardship groups. For you, you know now other groups that you might want to identify. The tools are in Razor's Edge to help you do the identification. Also, under financial, of course, the constituent giving history. Plan gift, pledge and recurring gifts. Now, those do require plan gift will require the plan gift tracker. Pledge and recurring gifts, you're not paid. You're past due. Do we, should we steward our folks who are not paying or who are late? Yeah, you know, they might be late because we haven't been stewarding them. So absolutely reach out to them. Recurring gifts, written off reports, what other reports, write down the list that you have. And finally, what do you do with those reports? These are your stewardship groups. You're identifying, again, 
Who do you start with? Your most important groups, right? How do you identify those groups? Through query. And, and we also identify them because we know who we want to start with, right? It's not just about query. Board members, big donors, plant gift donors, the major stakeholders, we said. And finally, just gave you some samples here. Again, some people like to see, see these. And so here's a new top donors report. And by the way, the great thing about these reports, some of them, particularly the reports that we've built to help you with stewardship, these reports have a little very well hidden option down here. When you run the report that says, show me all of my new donors or my top donors, give me my top 100 donors, the system, when it runs the report, can create for you a query at the same time. I like that. Because why do I want to run the report? Because I want to know who my top donors are because I'm going to do what? I'm going to steward them. Well, great. Let the system go ahead and put them all in a group. I can start my stewardship. It's a great little option that oftentimes gets, lit, gets left behind. So where do you begin? We've talked about it. We all know we're doing it today. You begin where it matters most. Start small. Learn to do it well before you take on too much. Don't start with your casual donors. Yeah? Acknowledgements, absolutely. But don't start with your casual donors. It's too hard and too many. And identify your key constituents. We've talked about that over and over again. Sweat the small stuff. I'm not Miss. And I do want to thank you when I give $25. It wasn't my ultimate gift. But you raised your hands and said a lot of you know people who gave $25 and that is their ultimate gift. They deserve to be recognized and the way they want to be recognized, which means send me a thank you letter. If you don't know something about it, we said it's okay to ask. Be careful. Know what you're asking for, but it is okay. And I used to send out a survey. We talked about that a moment ago. I either sent it out or we had our volunteers call and we asked information. If it was important for us to, to use in stewardship, we didn't have it, we asked Listen, how would you like for us to contact you? Mail, phone, email. How would you like to be recognized? What's your spouse's name? Can I have your birthday? Just the year and the day. Why? We like to send birthday cards. We love our donors and we want to thank you on your birthday. Who's going to say no to that? I'm going to say, okay, cool. I'll get a birthday card. And other pertinent information that would help you better steward them. And again, back to the, sw- the small stuff. Now, I don't do PowerPoint uh, charts or graphs very well, but we got it, right? Stewardship level. The smaller and more important the group, the more time we should be spending on that. Use the razor's edge to globally manage personal relationships. Spend the time at the top. Let the razor's edge spend the time at the bottom. Know what you're getting into. We've talked about these things. We keep talking about it, but I keep bringing them up. There's a great book that I'd recommend for you. If you like stewardship and you want to get started, it's called Nonprofit Stewardship, A Better Way to Lead Your Mission-Based Organization. Great book. Um, we had some copies downstairs. I don't know if we still do. It sells out pretty quickly, but it's a great book. If you have questions, I'll be glad to stick around. We went a little bit over. Thanks for your patience there. Um, by the way, one thing you don't see up here, we're about to uh, kick off some new blogs. And so um, in a couple of weeks or a month or so, um, if you go to blackwall.com slash Jim Bush, you'll see my blog. So I encourage you to respond. I love comments. And uh, the more interaction we can have, the better. Thank you. Please don't forget to fill out your evaluations. Thank you. If you'd like to hear more from Jim, he'll be speaking at BlackBot and industry events throughout the year. Dates and other information will be available on Jim's blog at www.blackbot.com slash Jim Bush. So stop by and give him a shout. If you have any comments about this podcast, please send us an email at sessions at blackbot.com. Thanks for listening to the show today. We loved having you. So until next time, this session is closed. Thank you.